Welcome to Kids Considered, a podcast from UC Davis Children's Hospital, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. For today's episode, we would like to welcome Dr. Lovejay Bhutani. He is a pediatric nephrologist. And for those of you who don't know what a nephrologist is, that is a kidney doctor. And he works here with us at UC Davis Children's Hospital. And today he's going to help us learn about pediatric high blood pressure or hypertension. His interests include kidney transplant care, medical education, and marathon running. Hats off to you because I can only do one to two miles at a time. <laughs> Dr. Butani, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so blood pressure is important. I mean, we need a certain amount of blood pressure to like be alive, right? So, But let's review what blood pressure is and why the numbers are important. Sure. So blood pressure, simplistically put, um, can be thought of as the force by which blood is delivered to various organs across the body. And so uh, it is the force that is directed against the walls of the blood vessels. Why do the numbers matter? Well, because the higher the blood pressure, the higher the risk of long-term damage to all of these organs, especially the heart, the brain, and the kidneys. And any of this can lead to permanent damage and failure of these organs. And then low blood pressure is dangerous too, right? Absolutely. So if your blood pressure is really low, then as you can imagine, there will be decreased flow of blood to these organs, and these organs would not like that and appreciate that at all. So we want it to be just right. That is correct. Well, I think a lot of listeners think of hypertension or high blood pressure as a disease of adulthood, really, that we get as we get older. Um, but can we talk a little bit about, you talked about what high blood pressure is, but maybe talk a little bit about what is hypertension and what percentage of kids have hypertension? Sure. So when your high blood pressure reaches a certain predetermined threshold, then um, it is referred to as hypertension. Um, you are right that hypertension is much more common in adults. Uh, more than a third of adults in the U.S. have hypertension. And when you compare how common hypertension is in children to that number, you can think of hypertension as an adult disease. Yet, I don't think of it as a disease of adulthood, and I say that for two reasons. First, that uh, about 5 to 7% of children do have abnormally elevated uh, blood pressures. Blood pressure either that is higher than normal or in the frank hypertensive range. And this um, prevalence of abnormal blood pressures is even higher if children are overweight or obese. And Second, and of equal importance, is the observation that blood pressure tracks over time, meaning that if you have high blood pressure as a child, you are more likely to have high blood pressure as an adult. So all of this implies that the origins of hypertension are frequently seen in the childhood years, and this presents an opportunity for us to intervene early to diagnose, um, treat, and prevent long-term complications. And the rate of hypertension, has that been increasing in the U.S.? I seem to have heard that before. That is correct. So um, over time, the feeling is that the prevalence, that means how common hypertension is in children, has increased from the 2 to 
to about 5 to 7%. And the reason for that is the obesity epidemic that we are um, going through. So our listeners may be scratching their heads thinking, why are we having a kidney doctor on to talk about high blood pressure? Because many people think of the blood pressure, it's like the heart and the blood vessels. And so like a cardiologist might be a better person for that. So can you tell us why nephrologists are really in charge of this? They're the main specialists that deal with elevated blood pressure in children. Yeah, that's a question that we uh, get asked often, especially by families. And uh, in addition to the fact that nephrologists are the most important doctors, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, the reason for nephrologists being the go-to uh, physicians for children with uh, high blood pressure is because unlike in adults where Hypertension is so common that general internists see it a lot and get experienced in taking care of adults with hypertension. Because hypertension is relatively uncommon in children, most general pediatricians don't feel comfortable managing these kids. Also, high blood pressure and hypertension are very common complications in children who have kidney disease. And so, most nephrologists get um, very experienced taking care of children with this uh, condition. And that is why we end up being the physicians who take care of these children, even if they don't have an underlying kidney problem. Yeah, it's really interesting, really. I was hoping now you could go into some of the causes of high blood pressure in kids. So you mentioned that the kidneys can be one of those causes. And of course, there's going to be a lot of different issues with the kidneys that may cause high blood pressure. Um, maybe starting with like the youngest kiddos and, and moving up. Um, and I know we already mentioned obesity as well as one of those risk factors. Yeah. So prior to the obesity epidemic, the most common cause of high blood pressure in children were um, kidney diseases. Uh, and this is even more common in the youngest of all children. And these kidney diseases uh, include scarring of the kidneys from frequent uh, kidney infections, congenital or structural abnormalities of the kidneys, or inflammation of the kidneys from a variety of different autoimmune conditions. Other uh, diseases include heart diseases and less commonly diseases of uh, what is called the endocrine system, uh, such as thyroid problems. Nowadays, uh, however, what is called primary or essential hypertension has become the most common cause of high blood pressure in children, much like adults. Uh, and this is true, especially in adolescents and older children. And when we say essential or primary hypertension, we mean that there is no one organ system where a clear disease process can be identified that is causing the abnormal blood pressure. So are there specific risk factors for developing elevated blood pressure that parents and providers should be aware of? You mentioned these several different diseases. So if they have those, then presumably their blood pressure's getting checked. That is correct. So risk factors for uh, developing hypertension that can be modified and that uh, people should be aware of include excess weight gain, unhealthy lifestyles and diet, especially a diet um, rich in salt. Other risk factors, um, as you mentioned, were known kidney disease, known heart disease, known thyroid diseases, a variety of genetic syndromes such as neurofibromatosis, uh, several medications such as steroids, 
oral contraceptives, recreational drugs, and even some herbal and nutritional supplementations. And last but not least, prematurity and low birth weight in um, newborns and infants is a risk factor for future development of high blood pressure. Yeah, I always think of those premature kids as as potentially starting to screen them in the office a little earlier than I would a kid who was born full term um, just because of those underlying risk factors. So another question I have is, so as a personal anecdote, my dad was diagnosed with high blood pressure early in life. My brother, who's in his 30s, has high blood pressure. Is there like a family history, a big component? Like, am I at risk for getting high blood pressure? Or if a parent has high blood pressure, do we need to start, you know, screening earlier or being more careful in the kiddos? Essential or primary hypertension often runs in families, and so children who have a very strong family history of hypertension uh, do have a higher incidence of uh, developing hypertension later on in life. Mm -hmm. So at what age should we start checking blood pressure? If there is a family history, should we screen earlier? Are there other reasons to screen early? So the American Academy of Pediatrics um, recommends routine annual screening for blood pressure starting at the age of uh, three years. Earlier screening is recommended in children who have any of the risk factors for developing hypertension that we uh, talked about. So just a strong family history by itself is not an indication to screen earlier than three years. Uh, but if you have, for example, known kidney disease or heart disease or have prematurity, then definitely earlier screening is recommended. Okay, so say they're in my office and we screen them, you know, using an appropriately sized blood pressure cuff um, for their age and their size. How do we determine what is elevated? Because, of course, a three-year-old is going to look a lot different than a 17 or 18-year-old. Yeah, because blood pressure changes with age and is different in boys and girls and also uh, in children of different heights, uh, we actually have to look at reference tables to determine what the normal blood pressure should be based on these three factors. So age, sex, uh, and height. And this is why it's, it's a little more complicated and difficult to categorize who has normal and abnormal blood pressure in children um, as opposed to adults. So like 100 years ago, when I was in medical school, I think we learned that something like 120 over 80 was like a normal blood pressure. And I have no clue if that's like true anymore for adults anymore. But you always get those two numbers. And the top number is the systolic and the bottom number is the diastolic. And, you know, is one more important than the other? And if one's elevated and the other's normal, is that like, okay? Yeah, that's a, actually a very interesting uh, question. Elevations in either number are considered abnormal and must be uh, investigated and treated appropriately because they can both lead to um, long-term organ damage. Having said that, there are studies um, in older adult patients, not in children, but in adult patients that have shown that the top number, the, the systolic, may be more predictive of long-term organ damage. Wow, that's interesting because I think in the olden days we used to think of the diastolic as being the lower number as being more important. That is correct, yes. But these newer studies seem to suggest that, in fact, it is the opposite. Uh, that is true. We're learning things over time. Look at that, Dr. Dean. 
You you learn on this podcast still. I know I do every single time. Yeah, sometimes I try not to, but it happens anyway. (laughs) So another thing that I'm curious about are symptoms that kids might experience from elevated blood pressure. You know, classically in medical school, we learn like about hypertensive emergencies, maybe where they come in with like severe headaches and obviously the blood pressure is really high. The heart rate may be high. Do typically do kids experience symptoms or or not so much? No, most children do not have any symptoms related to high blood pressure or hypertension, which is what makes it so important to screen for and treat because it really is a silent disease. Um, as you mentioned, with dangerously high blood pressures, symptoms such as headaches and vision changes can be seen, but that is only seen with extreme blood pressure elevation. So say I'm in the clinic and I'm screening a, let's say, 10-year-old, and um, I look up, let's say it's a boy, I look up his age and his sex and his height percentile, and I determine that, oh, his blood pressure looks like it's elevated for his age. What should the next steps be? So as you can imagine, many of us get really stressed when we go to a doctor's (laughs) office, even though we would like to think that it doesn't happen. And this can lead to a transient elevation in your blood pressure. And so if the first blood pressure reading uh, that has been checked appropriately using an appropriate sized cuff and a technique uh, is elevated, then you should perform two additional blood pressure measurements at that same visit and then average them to make sure that the final result that you get is abnormal. Um, And then the next steps uh, would depend upon the value of that final average blood pressure reading. If it's normal, then of course, nothing extra needs to be done. Uh, If it is abnormal, then it does need to be repeated in the future. And when you do that, depends upon how high the blood pressure is. I know I have a little flow sheet in my office because this is one of the things that is really hard to remember. Like, if it's this high, then I need to bring them back in a week or I can wait a month. Or, um, and so it is is not something it's something that your pediatrician will definitely have to remind themselves unless they've been doing it for a lot longer than I have. So let's say you get a patient and their blood pressure is persistently elevated, repeated measurements on different days. What's the next step in the workup, and what are other important components of the physical exam to perform? Yeah, so once you've confirmed that somebody truly has hypertension, which is, again, um, a significantly elevated blood pressure um, on a consistent basis, then a good history is important to assess for these possible underlying kidney, heart, Um, and thyroid uh, conditions. In addition, the child's diet, physical activity habits, and then family history, as we talked about, should also be looked into. And appropriate changes to the lifestyle, um, if needed, should be um, discussed. The physical exam should really be based on what the history suggests. um, But in general, looking at all the vital signs, including the um, heart rate, looking at uh, the child's growth, looking at the back of the eye, which is called a fundoscopic exam, to look for signs of persistently elevated blood pressure, listening to the heart, feeling the abdomen for masses such as kidney masses, and then feeling for pulses and measuring blood pressure in all four extremities to look for heart disease. 
are all important things on um, the physical exam to do. Yeah. And then after we've done that, say that there's no big red flags or for some reason you have a suspicion that maybe this blood pressure is just because every single time the kid comes in, they're very anxious and the parents say, you know, maybe we we got one at home or we went into the local drugstore and we got a measurement that seemed more normal than it continues to be at your office every time. Sometimes I will order something called ambulatory blood pressure monitoring. Can you talk a little bit about this, when there's a role for this, and why it's helpful? Sure. So, uh, yes, the ambulatory blood pressure monitoring is the process by which a blood pressure cuff is attached to a box, which is sort of slightly larger than a cell phone, and is uh, placed on the child's arm. And what happens is that the machine automatically records blood pressures periodically, usually every 20 to 30 minutes uh, throughout the day and at night when a child is at home doing his or her usual day-to-day activities. These are then downloaded and analyzed. And um, the ambulatory blood pressure uh, serves two purposes. The first is to confirm the diagnosis of hypertension and rule out what's called white coat hypertension. That's the, the hypertension or elevated blood pressure that you see because of stress or anxiety coming into a physician's office. A misnomer in pediatrics because very few of us wear white coats. That's right. Very true. <laughs> and then the second purpose of the ambulatory blood pressure monitor is to determine if a treatment that you have started in somebody uh, who has been known to have true non-white coat hypertension is working, and that is because the uh, the data that you can get from the ambulatory blood pressure monitor is a much better predictor of long-term organ injury as opposed to just single office blood pressure readings. You mentioned diet and salt, that that can play a role. Um, could you talk more about that? I'm guessing that like flaming hot Cheetos are not something that's really good for somebody who's hypertensive. <laughs> Yes, diet is actually a critical part uh, in both preventing and managing high blood pressure in children. Uh, There's something called the DASH uh, diet, which is a diet that is high in fruits, vegetables, low-fat milk products, whole grains, um, and also includes a limited intake of sugar, sweets, and low sodium or salt intake. That uh, has been shown to be of uh, benefit both in overweight children and in children with normal weight if um, they are following an unhealthy diet. Does exercise play a role as well, or is, is um, diet the primary kind of lifestyle change? Exercise is uh, another critical important in addition to diet, uh, and this can help with the conditioning of the heart and strengthening the heart and uh, reducing some of the consequences of uh, the elevated blood pressure. And um, as you know, it would can also help in reducing somebody's weight and can by itself help in bringing your blood pressure down. Could you talk more about the long-term consequences of untreated hypertension, why it's why this is such an important issue to address in childhood? Yes, yeah, so as I'd mentioned, hypertension or high blood pressure is uh, a silent condition and illness because it doesn't cause any obvious symptoms in most children. In the long run, 
if your blood pressure remains elevated for a long period of time, it can cause a permanent kidney injury and lead to kidney failure. It can lead to uh, a significant amount of stress on the heart and cause uh, what's called congestive heart failure. And then um, the other organ that it can affect is the brain causing strokes um, and permanent brain injury, which is why it is so important to diagnose it and prevent it if possible uh, and screen for it. Really, so that really provides the best the best long term outcome for your child to have a long and and healthy life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, how let's say that we have a kid that has diagnosed hypertension. We know um, maybe it is from essential hypertension, and maybe it's not. Maybe it's from one of these underlying um, kidney diseases or something like that. Let's say that they're doing the DASH diet, they're exercising, um, but it's still elevated. I know there are lots of different medications that are used to treat hypertension, and I don't think we need to go into all of them today. But I was hoping you could just talk about when medications do play a role and, and kind of how they work to lower the blood pressure. Sure. So in addition to lifestyle changes, um, as you mentioned, uh, if uh, the blood pressure remains persistently elevated and in the hypertensive range, then medications should be used to try and bring that down and prevent the long-term consequences. We have a large uh, number of medicines that are available, and these are pretty much the same types of medicines that are used in adults to bring blood pressure down. They work um, in a variety of different ways, uh, but uh, essentially they uh, help by dilating the blood vessels of the body um, and so they can reduce the stress that is being placed on the vessels and on these various organs and then can help bring the blood pressure down. Great. So that will be sometimes um, started right when the child is diagnosed with high blood pressure and sometimes we may give it a trial in terms of lifestyle and diet change depending on how high the blood pressure is and the, the underlying cause of the blood pressure. Is that right? That is correct. So initially, you want to start lifestyle um, interventions if the blood pressure is only mildly elevated. Uh, But if the blood pressure is very significantly elevated, then you may actually admit the child uh, and start some of these medications right away to try and lower it to a safe level. And as you also mentioned, uh, if a specific disease process is identified, then there are certain medications that might work better in that condition. Um, and so we would fine-tune the medication uh, based on the cause of the high blood pressure. Perfect. Well, Dr. Bhutani, thank you so much for joining us and teaching us about this really, really important disease process of hypertension. Let's summarize some of the main points from our discussion today. So hypertension is not just a disease of adults. It often starts in children. 
Right. And there are some risk factors for developing hypertension, including weight gain, a diet that's really rich in salt, unfortunately, because I love salt. Need to cut down on that for sure. Um, Any known kidney disease or thyroid disease or heart disease. Some medications can cause elevated blood pressure, like oral contraceptives um, or other supplements. And prematurity is also a risk factor. It often runs in the family, so if there is a strong family history of hypertension, that's important to know about. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends starting screening for high blood pressure at age three years, unless there are risk factors, and then we would start identifying it earlier. We define hypertension differently in kids, and it's based on not only if they're male or female, but how old they are and how tall they are. Symptoms are uncommon for children with hypertension. This is a silent disease unless the blood pressure is extremely high and then symptoms may occur. And when you have elevated blood pressure, your pediatrician will likely repeat the measurement multiple times. They'll take more of a history and do more exams and labs and possibly ambulatory blood pressure monitoring to determine. And if hypertension is present, then the first steps are to address diet and to encourage exercise and see if that results in resolution of the hypertension. And occasionally medications may be needed as well. Right, because what we really want to do is prevent the long-term consequences of hypertension. We want the heart and the kidneys to remain healthy. We want to prevent strokes and for children to live a a long life and, and be healthy as they are adults. And that reminds me of a joke. <laughs> Let's hear it. Okay. Did you hear the one about the fish who went to the doctor? Mm, no. Uh, so, okay. So the doctor says, hello, what brings you in today? And the fish replies, I have high blood pressure. So the doctor raises his eyebrows and starts taking some notes and says, okay, Mr. Salmon, what's your lifestyle like? Do you eat healthy? Do you get enough sleep? What about exercise? What about all that? And the fish replies, yes, I eat organic foods. I sleep at least seven hours a night. I never drink or smoke. And I I swim a lot. And at that, the doctor smiles and says, okay, I figured out what your problem is. Let me write you a prescription for some cigarettes. And the fish is like conf- totally confused and says, doctor, why, why cigarettes? So the doctor writes the prescription, hands it to the fish and says, you need to start smoking, he says, because smoking cures salmon. What? Oh, I get it. Cures salmon. Cures. Oh my God. Yeah, that was a long fish. joke for that punchline. It was a long joke, but I, I, I didn't find too many hypertension jokes. I, Dr. Butani probably has a lot of hypertension jokes. <laughs> uh, well, we would like to thank Dr. Love J. Butani for joining us on today's episode, although Dr. Dean and I take full responsibility for any errors or misinformation. Thank you very much. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. 
please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. 